All right, thank Hell you. Yeah. Is my microphone on? Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. So I'm used to hearing myself in headphones, so it's a little weird. Yeah, yeah. So uh, give it up for Holly, the speaker before yeah, us. Please. Also, make some noise for Lizzie and Beatdown King. Yeah, this is a fucking incredible thing to bring a scene together like this. Uh, I wish that stuff like this would have been around when I was a kid and coming up in the scene and, you know, learning about what it is to be in a band and to run a business for the first time. It's a really, really cool thing. So... Shout out to them for, for putting this all together. Yeah, so uh, as Liz, Lizzie said, we do a podcast every week. Uh, we started streaming it live on Tuesday nights, and then the podcast comes out on Wednesdays. So we were actually thinking that we would just roll it like normal and just kind of do a, a live podcast, if that sounds good to you guys. We roll like a little intro. Hell yeah. Like, all right, so you ready to get it going? Awesome. So we're going to roll it, do the intro, there's music, and then we'll uh, just start talking, basically. Okay, cool. Thanks, you guys. Ready? Harrison? Yep. Oh, that's Harrison, by the way. Oh, yeah, this He's, is Harrison. Uh, so Harrison, is our pr he produces the podcast, absolutely hates public speaking and being on camera or anything like that, so... Uh, he, so he's give, it up, give it up for right Harrison. Now. Come on. <laughs> Make some fucking noise. That's Harrison reveal. All right, here we go. All right. Thanks, guys. This is the Copper Crab Podcast. I am Cheney Crab. I am Naveen Copperwise. Oh, that didn't really, the theme song didn't really come through that well. Oh, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> someone just asked where to check out the stream. It's twitch.tv slash Copper Crab. That's K-O-P-E-R-C-R-A-B-B. Yeah, and we also have the Discord going. Yeah, we have a Discord. Uh, you will also, we'll probably post this tonight. So you guys, if you can't watch the stream because you're watching us in real life, you can check this out later tonight when we post it. You can join in on the fun. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I think we had an extensive intro about uh, who I am and earlier. And also who I am, yeah. And, like... Um, that was very nice. So as she said, I, my name's Naveen. I've been playing in bands and touring for um, all of my adult life. I, I started in the band Animosity, and then uh, after that, I was in Animals as Leaders for a couple years. I played on uh, their second album, and then from there, kind of wasn't in a band for a while. I did some like electronic music, you know, that whole thing kind of. I'm gonna Every go musician do. has to quit playing yeah. metal to do electronic music at some point. Yeah, <clears throat> they have to either quit to do electronic music or do like, I don't know, they want to play funk or something like yeah. that. You know? Yeah, totally. Anything think that they are, think that they're like above metal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they always come back though. Yeah, so uh, did. I did that for a little while and then um, me and Chaney met uh, probably 12 years ago. Yes. And... Uh, we started the band about seven years ago? Yeah, we started the band seven years ago, 2015. Yeah, so we've been doing our band Entheos for all that time, and um, we really have kind of figured out a lot of learning, what would you call it, learning curves Yeah, we've along gone the way. through a lot of learning curves along the way. If you guys are wondering what that is, also it's people subscribing to our <laughs> Twitch channel. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry about that. But yeah, so uh, about three years ago, we started this podcast, and it was kind of, I guess, Chaney really wanted to do it, right? Yeah, I'm way into a lot of comedy podcasts, um, so I wanted to start a podcast. It took me a while to talk Naveen into it, but ever since we started the podcast, I feel like we've really honed in on the community surrounding our band and surrounding the podcast, so it's been like an integral part of our band, our band's growth and our career growth over the past couple of years. It's been a really cool experience. We have a Discord, you know, we just started doing Twitch. We're on the internet, just like everything that Holly was basically just talking about. And I thought she had a lot of really good uh, points that I think we could, we could build on with, you know, putting together a band, which is a brand, you know, uh, when you, talk about like put, starting a band, you don't really think of it as being a career endeavor. You just want to play music. 
And now what that means, you know, we have to learn to be cre digital creators and uh, money managers and all of these things for ourselves. And a lot of the way that we've been able to sustain this thing is through the internet. Back in the day, it was like you could, you could get out and play shows and go on a three-week tour, and that's how your band grew. Now the internet has become such a like, central thing in that. And when you start getting on the internet, you want to like, have your band, the branding of your band, all put together so that you know what you're doing on the internet and you know what other people are coming in for. Yeah, so uh, that was kind of a thing that I think at the beginning of the pandemic, Chaney and I, we kind of, a, a couple members of the band quit and it was just her and I. And so we were kind of, took a step back and really had to look at what is the band. Yeah. Because I think a huge problem is when you start a band, you're kind of just doing right, what's like right in front of you and sort of, what you feel like doing at the time. And well, that was definitely our problem. We had kind of all these different influences and we didn't really have a cohesive, easy way to put it together to deliver to people. Because if you don't have all that stuff pinned down, people are, they're kind of just not gonna get it. And I feel like that was a huge problem for us. Because even though we were doing cool music and maybe we, what we had like, for example, a lot of different shirt designs, right? Like, oh, well, let's have a shirt design that these kind of people can like and these kind of people can like. And then, but it wasn't all put together in our own spin. Yeah, and I think it's easy to kind of go off in that direction when you start a band because, you know, you're getting four or five people together who may all know that they like to play metal, but as I'm sure all of you know, there are a ton of different subgenres within metal. Being in a metal band can take you anywhere from being in like Parkway Drive to Cannibal Corpse to like Pig Destroyer, you know? So having a bunch, it's like having a bunch of different cooks in the kitchen can sort of uh, scramble the idea of what the band is as a whole. Yeah, so I think we're not saying that you should just follow the mold of one other band, Absolutely but... Not. What we kind of realized, and this was over the years, was our thing is like we're into sort of trippy stuff and we're also into death metal. So we made it real simple and we're kind of like, okay, everything we do is going to be trippy death metal. So it's like, for example, uh, like the merch, it's, it's gonna look, like this is an Entheos shirt, it's gonna look super metal now, but then on the back is like a kind of a trippy, drawing with like an eyeball and it's like you know so we're just we're, t we're not trying to take like 50 million different things and put them together it's kind of keeping it focused on what it is and we've already seen like a lot of things change for us and growth of the band since doing that yeah i mean when when people see your logo or your emblem or you know, the stuff that represents your band you want them to think of your band. I feel like I've seen a lot of people around here with Rings of Saturn shirts on, or what I perceive to be Rings of Saturn shirts, because you know what their designs look like when you see them. It's a bunch of colors, a bunch of space shit, and it's all over a shirt. And you're like, oh, that's Rings of Saturn. There's no mistaking yeah. what they are, what their thing is. Yeah, and then when you hear, for, yeah, when you hear their music, it's like, okay, this is really you know, crazy video game death metal. You know, it's kind of, it, it is original and it is new, but it's packaged in a way that people can understand. And that, that takes a while to figure out. Like even for us, we, even when we started the band, I was already 30 years old. I'd already been touring and been in pretty big bands, but I still, we still didn't know how to do that. It still even took us four or five, I mean, really, I don't think we, we're, we're obviously still learning now and we're still trying to grow the thing. It's not like I'm sitting up here saying like, we, you know, we made it, we're all good to go. Like, that's definitely not the case, but these are, def these are things that we've picked up on. Yeah. And I think we're continuing to dial in and, and that's kind of, we have an album coming out uh, next year and the first single's coming out next week. 
So I think with all that stuff, we really, <clears throat> on this release, it's our third album. Or we have an EP and two other albums. So on this one, we we're like, let's really dial it in and look at what we did in the past and like, how could we make it better? You know? Yeah. So one thing that we were super guilty of when our band started is listening to all the different t-shirt designs that everyone wanted. So we would end up with like designs that were super metal and then designs that were super prog and like, you know, like had tesseracts on them or whatever. And when you look at that merch, you can't tell what you're going to hear. You're like, what, the, what in the fuck is this band? I have no idea what they're doing because all the merch is so different and doesn't really make a cohesive package. Yeah. So that's definitely something that we've really been trying to clean up on. And that, like Naveen said, that doesn't mean copying anyone else. Um, it means really being introspective, finding out what you are, what, what you stand for, what your band stands for, what you guys are all about, and then finding artists that align with that idea. There are all kinds of amazing artists on the internet. Um, and you can pick one and have that person design a ton of merch spreads for you. I think that it's, it is a common thing to see who the popular bands are going to for artwork. Maybe don't go to that person because you don't want your band's merch to look exactly like the big band right now. That's, it seems appealing at the time, but then I'm gonna think that when I see your merch, I'll think that you're in a different band because it looks like that band's merch, not something unique that you're doing yourself. Yeah, and you can, you can also, I mean, obviously we do, all of us I'm sure can agree that we do music because we like to do it and we wanna put out what we think is the best thing and we don't really wanna be beholden to have to do it because or have to change how we sound in order to appeal to people but you can say I, i'm i'm going to piggyback off of what i believe holly mentioned before you get a little bit of feedback and so i i don't think there's any loss in creativity for me personally to kind of let's say i post an instagram video i post a lot of drum videos that's pretty much all i post and i get a little bit of a gauge like i started to notice oh you know, if I, the drum, the drum videos that I post, if I do some fast double bass, they get more views. So what I started doing was every single video, I just start and then go into the thing I wanted to do. And like, and it works, you know? So it's just little things like that you can just pick up on to sort of augment what you're already doing. Absolutely, and- And it, lean more into that direction. Right. So the first thing I think we've touched on is to like figure out what your band is, come up with the branding of your band. What do we look like? What does the stuff on the internet look like? And that you should stay on brand more or less with your, specifically your band's Instagram. You don't want, I think Holly was talking about like, you know, if someone goes to your band's page and sees a bunch of different flyers that have already happened and they don't really know what they're looking at and it doesn't necessarily draw anyone in. Um, if your band page has a cool aesthetic to it, you see a bunch of different pictures, they all kind of match. They're, none of them are the same post. There are creative ways to do the same post in different ways. You know what I mean? Like use a different picture, but make the same post. Use a different video or reel, make the same kind of similar post. Uh, so like, make sure that your page isn't super flooded with flyers and that it's cool content that people want to see. There, there's a picture of your merch every so often, but don't make every single post about your merch or every yeah, single yeah. post um, a reel. Don't, don't spam people doing the same thing exactly. over and over again because that's kind of how you get unfollows on those platforms. You kind of, people will get sick of seeing it or they know exactly what they're seeing and they'll just scroll past it and you tend not to get as much engagement going at it from that way. So I've always been a fan of, honestly, once shows happen, I will take the flyers off of our page just because it sort of litters our page. Or when we are talking about shows, you can do this, these cool slides on Instagram, Facebook, you can do several photos in a post. Use a slide, make the first post a live shot. The second post is uh, the, the flyer. 
You know, come up with ways to attract people to the same thing, but not overexpose the one picture that you're the one, you know, asset that you have. I think, um, so yeah, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, we were kind of, <clears throat> Like I was saying earlier, we we're kind of trying to figuring out what what is the band, how are we gonna keep going with this, and then so we kind of got, I'm sure everybody did, got a little more into the internet, and I I sort of honed in on Instagram, and a couple things that we noticed was if we if you just put a little bit of extra care into it, like make something that you think is cool, or if you saw it you'd be like, wow, that's really cool. So that could be, it's gonna be different for everybody, but for me personally, uh, I spent as much time as I could just making like my drum videos sound really good and look really good. I saved up, I bought these cameras. And um, so I think putting the extra care in there is really what matters. Yeah. Above all the little hacks and what time can I post this? Or little, little ways to boost it, that works for sure. But at the end of the day, you have to make stuff that you're stoked about and that people wanna see. And I think like the, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because, you, like you were saying, you can't always be asking people for stuff. Hey, follow this, check out you know, our show. Like I, I would say, the, have like 10 posts of just stuff for people to enjoy and you're not asking for anything. You're yeah. just, and that's how you kind of just, people will start following you and all that kind of stuff. Like I, over the pandemic, I grew my page like 3X, just literally posting one really good, what I thought was really good drum video a week. And that's it. That's all I've ever done. Yeah, and I mean, to get started in that, I think that, you know, now being in a band does mean being a person on the internet. So it is sort of important if you aren't hip to like, using an interface or tracking yourself. Those are things that you should learn about right now. If you wanna play music, buy an interface. If you're a guitar player, plug it in, just play a 30 second yeah. long riff and put it on the internet. A lot of people do covers. And I do think that covers do help. I don't necessarily think that they always lead people back to your band, but they will get eyes on you if you do a cover, I just wouldn't like do a, mil do a cover every day because I think that that starts to become a spammy thing that people will sort of tune out. But maybe do one cover and then three, one cover is a reel and then three reels that are your band and try to lead people back to that. And reels are like a huge thing to get into now, I mean, TikTok has been really huge for us in particular. It's really helped us out. It's, I think it's a super important platform to get on just because of the organic reach that can come about with TikTok. And you can take those TikTok reels and put them on YouTube. YouTube is the biggest distributor of music in the entire world. That's yeah. so many people will hear about your music if it does well on YouTube. And the real feature that they have now does get some of that same organic reach that people are getting on TikTok. Instagram also has a real feature that gets great reach if you put stuff up there as a reel. And Facebook has a, a real feature that I'm not really sold on yet, but it does exist on all platforms. So you can post those everywhere and just see how they do. Um, so yeah, I think it's su super important to get involved in, in creating videos and there was a question asked after Holly came up and spoke that was, you know, I put out an EP earlier this year. How can I continue to push out content with that EP? Well, I think Naveen and I can really speak to that because our band has not put out an album for five years, yeah. which as far as, um, you know, the album cycle thing goes in music, really what labels kind of aim for is a new album every two years. Now, of course, there are, it's a huge thing to like put out singles and put out EPs in between that. But the reason I, I mention that is because in the five years that we've gone without putting out an album, we've grown our band more in the last two, three years than we did in the entire time previously to yeah. that. And that's all because we took our old music and we started 
putting up like 30 just, second yeah, clips, clips yeah, of clips. that music. And it's, I mean, how long is this song? We play metal, our songs are like four minutes long, right? That's eight clips that you can put up just off of one song. And you can continuously do that forever if you space it out correctly and really use the material well. Yeah, and also if you're having fun while doing it. I think that's, that's definitely my takeaway that I like to stress to people is it should be fun. It's the reason why we do it is for fun. And when I make a video, like I, I'm, I'm having fun while I'm doing it and I genuinely like doing it. And I think that is going to come through more than anything else. Absolutely, I agree with that as well. You don't want to put yourself in a position where you have to pump out videos just to like, just to do just it, just yeah. to make videos because that's not fun. And, yeah. and if you're not doing it for the love of it, then I mean, really, why play metal in the first place? It, we're not making yeah. a ton of money here being metalheads. You yeah. know, that's not really the goal. It's because we all love this genre exactly. of music, and that's really something that you have to keep in mind throughout doing all of this. And like Naveen said, I think that that really shines through in whatever you do, and that helps attract people to you. Because I know that I personally am going to be more drawn to a super authentic artist who's putting their heart out there than someone who's kind of phoning it in. And I can tell that they're doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely, um, like I was saying before, things that we've sort of learned along the way. And uh, uh, like Cheney said, I, I, a lot of the growth with the band has been in the last two years. And so, yeah, we cut a lot of clips of just song portions or I'll just be like, here's here, a riff I'm working on. Here's a riff, you know, and just try to make it fun and, um, you know, interesting. But I think that kind of another thing that I was thinking of, of is that there's definitely not a magic, you know, bullet to just like cut through all this stuff, if I just figure out um, this one algorithm or whatever, it definitely doesn't work like that. I mean, we look at bands that have, there's always these outlier bands, there's usually like a couple, two or three, that are like super big up out of nowhere. And they're, you know, and everyone kind of wants to be those bands, but the fact is like, most of us, including us, we've had just a slow and steady growth. And that's just how it's going to be for most of us. You know, like the Shooting Star, like crazy band. It's just, that's great. But even they've probably been a band for a while. Yeah, or, or have been invested in playing music for exactly. a very long time. Exactly. So it's like, it, you shouldn't be discouraged because you're not blown, you know, blown up, uh, you know, up out of nowhere. Uh, it's fine. It's just... We love doing it, and things for most people do grow. You know, maybe you're not getting, I mean, now it's so easy to see all these numbers and all the engagement and all that stuff and compare it to some other band that you follow and they have, you know, a million plays on a video or whatever. Meanwhile, you don't have that many, but maybe last, your video has got more plays than it did last week. Yeah. And over, to, maybe some of them go down and, and peaks and valleys but usually for the most part it's going to grow and that should be enough i think for for you to to feel good about it yeah i would say that on general most of the bands that we hear about who are like a part of the touring circuit and doing that full-time have really been bands for 10 plus years before everyone starts hearing about them of course a lot of that starts in like building a, a local scene around you it's also the internet with building a community around you and like Holly was saying, you can use Facebook groups. We have a Discord, uh, Instagram stories, and all of that good stuff. Uh, but it's also playing a local show every so often. And something that you want to do if you're playing locally, play like one good show every couple of months. You don't want to overexpose your local scene to your band. You want to have one show that you can direct all of your friends to so that you can pack out the venue and show that helps show the rest of the world or the internet that that you're a band worth listening to it helps a lot 
And as far as the Facebook groups and all of that stuff go, you can help build your reach on the internet. I know that I'm in, I'm in this group called Technical Progressive Metal, Death Metal Sharing, whatever, and it's got like 37,000 people in it. And I've heard of so many bands that I never would have heard of all because of that. So post your band in groups like that. Don't spam people, but I promise you that if the music is sick, then people are going to get into it if you promote it in that way. And you don't do it so much that people are like, oh, I just don't want to hear about this band anymore. Like, Absolutely. Uh, so how about some touring tips? You guys want to hear about some touring, touring stuff? Does that sound interesting? All right. Well, I was, I was thinking that we should <laughs> talk about like, when to start touring and what, yeah, what kind absolutely. of tours are worth going on. Definitely. I mean, I think, so when this band started, we pretty much just any tour we could get, we would do, I think. Yeah. And in the very beginning, I think that's definitely the way to go. You have to just kind of take what you can, you can. And it's not that it's fun because you're with your friends and having a good time and everything. But in terms of when you first start going on tour, it kind of sucks, right? I mean, it's I mean, touring, it's touring is really hard no matter which way you spin it, but yeah. Like brutal. in terms of, uh, you know, there's not as many people there when you play, you're playing first, you're not getting paid very much, blah, 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 blah. But still, like I was saying before, you are growing your, your thing and you're, you're out there and, and doing it. And so we definitely just took pretty much whatever we could, could and slowly over time, it's been working our way up here and there, but you know, there's, we'll go back to playing for first. It's not, it doesn't mean like once you hit like, oh, you go direct support on a tour, you're now direct support on every tour. It's not like that. I mean, you know, we're talking about some tours in the future and that we're going to be first. So, and the last tour we did, we were direct support. It just, that's how it is. And that's fine. And, uh, and another thing that we kind of, a huge thing that was really great for us was we toured for quite a long time and didn't really get paid at all. Like we just put, we just like ate it and we kept our expenses as low as we could while we were at home. And that way when the tour was ended, you know, we could make everything at least pay the merch bill and, you know, for the food and the flights to get the guys there. And then the rest of it, just we would pay toward the van or, or like uh, just paying off whatever little debts we had. Yeah. And I think like when you start thinking about touring, I think that a good way to get into that, into playing shows that first you should start with like regional shows, yeah. make friends with bands who are in other states who do sort of draw and do show trades. It's an easy way to get in. Yeah, it's super low risk. You can do like one, you can do like a weekend run. Those are awesome. And it will help people in other states start to learn about your band. And then from there, once you think that it's monetarily feasible to go on a tour and that you think that the tour is going to do decently, I'm not talking about drawing a million people. I'm saying don't put yourselves in debt to go on your yeah. first tour yeah. because that's the quickest way to burn yourselves out yeah and get members of the band to be like bitter or something you know someone might put the tour on their credit card and they're all pissed off about it yeah absolutely like that. and that's not a position that you want to end up in and that's why the internet uh, another reason why the internet can be so useful because it can help build up a crowd for your band in another state where you're going to go and sell merch and merch is our biggest money maker being in bands and the more you sell the more money you're going to be able to put back into your business to make it thrive even more. So on the, the note of merch, I think that, you know, make sick merch. Make merch that people want to buy and they will buy it. I've bought merch before just because I thought it looked cool, not because I knew who the band was or cared about that, but because it looked cool. You want people to walk up to your merch table and be like, damn, this is a really good selection and want to buy the stuff. And one thing that we've been doing a lot that has been really cool is putting out limited edition merch runs. Yeah. It's really been a great thing for our band because if you create that, that idea that, oh, I'm not gonna be able to get this after the first 100 shirts are gone, it, it makes this like 
thing happen where people want to collect the merch and they're every time we've taken a limited shirt out on tour and it's got that sticker on it that says limited edition. You can also just put the first limited thing. and it doesn't have to actually be limited. Yeah, we've and tested this. Just, we've actually yeah, tested this. You can put a limited edition sticker on a shirt that is not limited edition <laughs> and that night I promise you it will be your best seller. We tested it out on the last tour we did and it, ha it happened. But, but uh, most of the time it is limited. We're yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's seriously, think of creative things like that that make people want to buy your merch because there are so many bands out there. I mean, there are millions of dollars to be spent on merch and there are, there's a lot of competition. So you have to make it a, a thing that's special that people want to buy. Yeah, I th I, actually the shirt that Harrison is wearing, it, that was, so that, I think, was that our first one that we did? Yeah, that was our okay. second. So we uh, had the idea. I was like, oh, let's go on YouTube and figure out, like, just look up a tutorial on how to tie-dye. I'm like, it can't be that hard. And so what we did was uh, me and Chaney tie-dyed. Uh, I think we started with 50. We tie-dyed 50 shirts in our kitchen. And, like, I took a bunch of pictures, and we made... Like, it was really cool. It, it was a really cool post, and it had me and Chaney, like, modeling the shirts and making them in our kitchen, pouring the bleach on them, and it kind of, like, told a story. And yeah. then we put them up, and they sold in, like, an hour. Like, yeah, all of them sold in an hour, which is crazy. I mean, yeah. we didn't expect that at all, but I think that when you create that, that idea that people aren't going to be able to get a hold of that, plus, we made them, yeah. the band makes them, Advertise all of that stuff if you do it. Say, exactly. This is band made. We took pictures of ourselves wearing yeah. the merch. Like, we send them out. Cheney sends them out. Yeah, I ship. I still ship a lot of our. I like a lot of our merch. All of our limited edition collections. I do myself. But that all helps. It makes people feel like they're a part of something, and they are because it's something that you've put your heart into, and you're giving it to other people, and that's another way to connect with your your audience. Definitely. That's definitely the best part, I'd say. Yeah, I think that it, it's just a good thing to come up with creative ideas like that. Um, and it's been really, really helpful yeah. for us. And then we did, it again, we did it again with that shirt that he has on. And we made, like, we did, well, let's try to do 100 this time. And pretty much sold all those as well. So that was definitely cool. And then we can take that money. And that helped us fund the first tour that we did after uh, the pandemic. Yeah. You know, and so we had money just from that thing to fly the members out and all that stuff. So I think what we try to do is put as much as we can into the band. And then, you know, like I said before, do, do everything you can to keep your expenses down. Like if you're in a band, don't, you know, probably drive a car that it, you have paid for. Like drive a crappy car. Don't go take out a car note for 400 bucks a month. It's going to be difficult to go on tour when you do that. Yeah, or when you're, you know, starting to tour and you need a touring vehicle and things like that, pool together money in your band or through merch sales to get a lot of that. Pay for the entire van. Go find a used van. Do it that way. That's something that Naveen and I have been huge into is keeping our band in the green. I'm just kind of going step by step incrementally, yeah. and that way it's everything is, like, good. And, and But, yeah, it's obviously really hard, and we had to work really hard, like, working at our jobs and everything to, to make that work and really set up our life. I mean, we really set up our life in a way to do the band. Like we rented a barn behind my mom's house and that's where we lived. And I'm not kidding, it was a barn. It like, was a full-blown barn, like yeah. exposed so to like, the elements for, you know. for almost 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, Just I mean, because we, we didn't want to sacrifice, sacrifice playing music uh, to have like a better living yeah, circumstance. So, I mean, that, that does, it does, I think it does take something like that in our sort of genre, or pretty much any genre, really. You're, just because you play, like, pop music doesn't mean you're going to, like, blow up. Over yeah, there. and so you should expect to make those sacrifices. Expect to be working a full-time job for a long time, because no, even if you start touring and you're doing it all the time, uh, it's only been this last year that Naveen and I have been full-blown working musicians. And it's because we spent so long working yeah. and busting our asses to do both things at the same time. We had to make money to put money into the band to keep the band rolling. And finally, 
you know, after seven years of work, we've gotten ourselves to a place where we luckily can just do music full time. But those first seven years, it's working, Naveen would work 60 hours a week and then come home and work on music full time. Yeah. And I would do 40 hours a week and then work on music full time. It's definitely like gonna be your second full-time job or your third full-time job for a very long time. And that doesn't change after you get management and a booking agent and a better guarantee and sign to a label. The work, the workload, like there's no um, like golden pot at the end of a rainbow with being yeah, in a like, band. Oh, once I'm you know, signed to this label, I'm gonna kick back and chill on, it, it doesn't really work It like really that. doesn't, yeah. label, like, Signing to a label is a great thing because they help a lot with distribution and getting your name into places that you may not be able to get it. And you know, they, they help give you money for music videos and things like that in advance for, for recording. But the workload only increases. They're not going to make your career. There's so yeah. many bands who sign to labels and that's the downfall of the band. The minute they sign to a label, they just don't know how to continue the work. They expect that someone else is going to pick up that load for them, and that's just not how it happens yeah. at all. It's like, yeah, now you're just a team, and you add to it, yeah. and you just kind of uh, spend your time doing other things. I mean, now, like Cheney said, we have been going more full-time with the band, but we don't work any less. We just have more to do with the band, and honestly, it's great. It's fun. You know, like, it's just... That's what we want to do. We like doing this for the reason of getting to make music. So for me personally, that's why I do it. I like making music. That's, if I had my way, I would never come out of my room and I would just be in there with my laptop and my guitar just making music and like sending it to my friends. But like, you know, that's probably not in the cards for me. Yeah. So we do all this other stuff, and I've learned to love all the other aspects of it, too. But for me, my goal is to be able to make music. Yeah. And, you know, I just brought up the label thing. So because of the Internet, we don't really live um, in a world anymore where you need a record label. So I don't think that that's something to lust after or anything like that. Like, you can fully do all of that stuff by yourself. You just have to become internet savvy like i can't stress that enough if you if you don't know how to make videos make videos if you don't know how to get your stuff on spotify learn to do that learn to get your stuff on spotify playlists learn to be your own manager do not like think that you you're going to be able to find a manager or some person who's going to advance yeah. your career because no matter what you are the your band is going to care about your band more than anyone exactly. else, no yeah, matter and what. and you want to be able to moderate those people, like the label or whatever, like, hey, maybe they're not doing something that you know should be done. Hit them up. This needs to get done. Yeah. For example, the last album that we put out, our label totally forgot that we had a music video for our second single, so I had to remind them after our album came out. And that's just how labels work. Like they, they're working for so many different bands that it's hard for them to be like laser focused yeah. on one band. So you really have to be your own advocate in all of these situations. So the more that you learn about the, what it means to run a business and you know, the money and all of that stuff from the beginning, the, the better off you will be in the long run. Like, you can't pay people to, to get your band to places, no matter what. Uh, and exactly. so yeah. you have to be your own advocate and, and work for yourself constantly. I agree with that 100%. Uh, should we take some questions? Yeah. Does anybody want to ask a question? Anybody got any <clears throat> We can also go to default to our trusty old Discord. Yeah, while we're Is there uh, any questions over there? While we're waiting for some mics to be passed around. Damn, Harrison's uh, stepping up, dude, getting on the mic. <laughs> uh, Jake Scrappile, good friend, asked, uh, how important is quality slash expensive gear for a newer band and their ability to begin building an audience at live shows? Do people gravitate to bands that have better gear? Okay, I don't think so. I, I mean, think I think so it either. definitely helps for sure. But I'm, I'm, I'm certain you could go on Instagram or go... Actually, you know what? Th this reminds me of something. So I'm like really into production and recording. And 
when I first got into recording, I was at this like used scrap store near my house and I found this stack of recording magazines and I was just flipping through one and I remember it said uh, like a really good engineer could get on your setup that you have right now and make an amazing album. And like that always really stuck with me. And like for a lot of my you know, drumming career, like when I was in uh, Animosity and even Animals and stuff, I didn't have endorsements and let, I just used <coughs> random shit that I would get on Craigslist and stuff. And so I really don't think so. I, I mean, people definitely are enamored with shiny stuff. It doesn't hurt by any means, but... Yeah, but all that you shiny can, stuff can't make you play well. It no. doesn't make you a good band. You can, you can get on stage with like the the Axe Effects Three, the newest Axe Effects, and have like the sickest Tama kit and Minol symbols yeah. and whatever, and you can still sound like crap. Yeah, you can still sound bad or play music that no one likes or not be. Your passion might be more toward having an Axe Effects than practicing or, or whatever. So it doesn't hurt, but I think the know-how how to make what you have sound really good is really what's most important. Yeah, I remember actually specifically, there is a band called Trash Panda from Florida, and they opened for us on the last US tour that we did, and they were my favorite band of the entire tour, and they were playing through the crappiest gear that I've ever seen. <clears throat> they were just super tight and super sick. Honestly, I thought it made it cooler. That they I, d had, I, d I actually I like, did this, too. This rules. Yeah. yeah, it was great. I bought a shirt from them. Yep. All right, we got any live questions out there? Okay. Let's have it. You just, I mean, that is true. How do you get so much confidence, yeah. Cheney? <laughs> Thank you for calling me confident. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, you're in a room by yourself. Just, you, ha you kind of have to get the confidence in the room by yourself. That's like what being a, a good front person is in a way. You have, you're stepping up on stage and you're ultimately like a cheerleader for a bunch of sick musicians, you know? So the, the like having confidence thing, I think that it's something that you sort of have to manifest within yourself, but it's really easy to do when you're in a room by yourself, right? So just film yourself a few times, start to get comfortable with it. And you know what? If you're not super confident in the first couple videos that you post, you can post, you can become confident. You can build it over time. And the more that you do something, the more confident you're going to become. I know that the first vocal videos that I was making like years ago, they looked crappy. I didn't, I wasn't very confident, honestly, at all. So it's just something that's, it's got a progression to it. And the more you do it, the easier it's going to become. And if there's, I mean, I'm sure at some point we've felt uh, confident in one way or another and we kind of know what that feels so if you have like a little spark of confidence in you somewhere it's like try to hone in on that Absolutely. You know what I mean? that's kind of a more esoteric way to put it but I mean that's I think a, a cool way to think of it like alright I'm just gonna, I'm gonna dig deep yeah. act like I'm confident and I'll be honest with you get doing the like vocal playthrough thing is is where I get the most nervous for some reason. I don't really know why. So it's something that I've also had to shake off. I can really relate to that. Like I'm way more comfortable getting in front of a crowd of people and doing vocals than I am just having a camera focused in on my face and, and doing vocals. But it's definitely a learning process. Hope that helps. Yeah, I hope that helps. <laughs> All right. Uh, like how much money do you have to have saved or? <clears throat> so, so the way we do it is we lay out what the expenses of the tour are going to be. Yeah, we have a budget yeah, before so every tour. We, ma we make out a complete 
So we have we can kind of estimate how much it's going to cost to to do the tour. Like we've, uh, I don't do it on every tour. Uh, I was better about this, but I kept track of on one tour we did. I was really meticulous and I kept track of like how much gas costs and all that stuff. So we have like a ballpark idea. Um, it's obviously going to be different depending on how long the tour is. Do you have to fly? You know, guys into town. We fly two people in uh, on every tour, mm-hmm. and uh, so we have certain expenses that you might not have. But uh, I would. We try to make it out to where the way that we do it is we lay out the expenses, and then we take what the guarantee is going to be. So that's how much money we're getting paid each night, and then that's kind of that's usually not enough to cover it. It's not enough to pay for the merch bill and to pay for the tickets and the gas and all that. So we'll say, okay, we need to make, just take your deficit and split that up over the shows. So we'll say, all right, we need to make, let's just say it's $3,000 that we need. Okay, we need to sell 100 bucks in merch a night in order to break even. And then we're like, I'm feeling pretty good that we could sell 100 bucks a night in merch. And then... Usually, so we'll know when the show's going on, like, boom, we hit that $100 goal, we're good. You know, yeah. and, it, and it, when it surpasses that, cool, we have some extra money to pay. Totally. I'll have our merch person uh, text me every night when we surpass the amount that we need to make in order to make money, just so that I know, like, okay, we did it at this show, good. Yeah. Now on to tomorrow. But that could be a little different. I mean, maybe you get a really good opportunity and you're like, okay, we haven't toured before. We need a hundred bucks a night to, to do this, but we're not sure that we're going to sell the hundred a night, yeah. right? So maybe you could say, all right, well, we need to come up with 1500 and then we need to sell 15, I mean, 50 bucks a night. Yeah, I you think know? you brought up a really good point, which is that you also, so baseline is come up with a budget and then that's how much money you need. But beyond that, There are times when you have to weigh out, like, is this package worth us taking, even though we know we may not break even? For instance, we uh, got an offer to go out with the Dillinger Escape Plan on the last tour that they did. And we were offered a very, very, very low amount of money, and we knew that we were not going to be able to break even. But we also knew that Dillinger has an audience that would be really cool for us to expose our band to. So that kind of outweighed the, the monetary yeah, loss. It's like we're doing the tour. We're going to figure out how to do it. Yeah. You know? So that's definitely. But yeah, if it had been something where the shows weren't going to be super populated and we were going to take a hit, maybe it's not worth doing. Yeah, exactly. You know? That's so kind of. That's up more to you esoteric, guys. Yeah. I guess. But uh, yeah. But I think that's an easy way to do it. And obviously, you're not 100% going to know exactly how much it's going to cost. I mean, I throw. I know from the past when you go on tour, you're going to spend, plan on spending 500 bucks or 1,000 bucks on your van. Yeah, I know. Even if it's a new van. We always add extra money for the van because the van can break down at any given time. So that's definitely something. I mean, it helps if you have somebody handy. I hope you have somebody. Yeah, you got to have like. I'm kind of handy. I was out in a blizzard. Like, I don't really work on cars, but I'm somewhat DIY. And I changed the blower fan for the van in a freaking blizzard. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was really painful. Yeah, I mean, one time the <laughs> bottom of our trailer fell out. And Naveen, we yeah. were in the middle of Florida. And Naveen had to, like, get under the trailer and, like, bolt it with metal and stuff. And yeah, put like, it back together so we could... So, yeah, I br- bring a toolbox. That's another thing that <laughs> I do. And I, I do that because, A, I like working on stuff. And then, B... It would cost like way if I had tried to get someone to fix the trailer. I don't yeah. even know how much that would have cost. So I mean, like, I'll, I'll just get out there and fix it. Not to mention, it's very hard to find a mechanic in a, in a like less than a couple hours notice yeah. because we're going into a city and leaving the same day. It's very hard to find a mechanic who can work on your van right there. So having someone who's learned something on YouTube about fixing cars or something is a is a really good advantage. It definitely helps. Yeah. So. We could probably keep going on that one all night, so I don't know. Well, Good question. Yeah, thank you. Okay, yes, we got some more questions. My nightmare was like, all right, who's got a question that no one wanted to do one? I have a question about the 
Okay. Yeah, definitely. That's a good question. I, yeah, I think uh, definitely both. Um, and that's not to say, like, oh, pe um, that's not to say I'm going to do something that I don't like because other people like it. You know, but I will kind of, you're going to get some feedback. And when you're playing your songs live, like, oh, that people really like that part. And it's like, that's one of our parts. Let's make more parts like that. Because it's obviously uh, fun to have the crowd be into it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, we like to, we're kind of an aggressive band, and when the crowd moves, it's awesome at a metal show. That's something that you want. So, yeah, like Naveen said, we don't hyper focus on that. Like when we're in the studio, we're not like, oh my God, no one's going to like this yeah, part yeah. if we play it live. But it does become apparent when you play stuff live what parts people gravitate two more like and you know usually when the people are gravitating towards a part you'll it you'll be like yeah i like that part yeah, a lot too exactly you know? so it's something to keep in mind it's not something to base your entire life around because you don't want to get your band to a point where you're just serving other yeah. people because you're going to hate it honestly but and that sort of shows through in in, in terms of being genuine you know yeah. people can tell <clears throat> people can pick up on when you really love what you're doing and when you're doing it for some type of result. Yeah, but with that being said, I think it's part of the natural process of becoming a better songwriter over time. And that's why I think it's so cool when bands like stick together and continue to write songs because their music becomes like an even better version of them. And they, you start to kind of weed out the parts that, that aren't as good and you write more of the parts that are good, it becomes more of like a condensed, a condensed yeah. package of what your band is. That's really what you want to do over time is kind of, and this is kind of, I think the broader message to everything we're saying is you want to distill everything into just taking that really couple of cool things that you figure out that are your thing and really lean into those. Yeah. And that's definitely what we did on the new album, like, a lot. I mean, we had done a bunch of tours and stuff, and so we kind of knew what was going to work. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we all know it feels really damn good to play a breakdown on stage. It's so yeah. fun, and there's a sick crowd reaction yeah. to it. Yeah. So chances are that you'll probably get inspired more off of those parts and want to write parts like that anyway, just because it's fun to play on stage. And other bands. Like, if we come off of... A super death metal tour, you know, when I get home, I'm like, oh, I gotta write some more death metal, yeah. you know, or if we do a more progressive tour, that, that'll rub off on, on, totally. on me, and it'll probably rub off on you as well. Like, yeah, totally, and with, with that, like, don't be afraid to take influence from your friends around you and, like, lift up the, the people who are playing the music around you, because I think Lizzie said this, we all rise with the tide, you know? Yeah. There's no, like, competition in music, even though it may seem like that, because certain people get tours and certain people get this opportunity. The best thing is to really support everyone because we're all in this together and it, it, it feels good. It yeah. feels good and it will help you in the long run. No one wants to hang out with, a, with someone who hates every band and who is never <laughs> supportive of any band, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's, no, one, no one's gonna reciprocate like enjoying your band if you're that type of person. So that's really important. Hope that helps. All right. All good. It's true. Yeah. I think it really depends on the the relationship with the label, and I yeah. think that. 
Honestly, if you are going to take the label thing, I think it then becomes important to have management. Although I'm not the type of person who would advocate for management from the beginning because I do not think that is what you should do. I think you should be primarily self-managed as far, like here's a good example, Archspire, self-managed band. And they're doing incredibly well, right? They're on a label, but it's because there is someone in their band who can stick up for the band. So. When you're on a label, the reason I'm bringing that up is because when you're on a label, like having that manager there can really help. Um, managers kind of step in when stuff becomes weird and managers can kind of make situations pan out better for you. And they, they'll talk to the label and kind of correspond the things that need to be done. So. You're not always the be best equipped to negotiate a deal when you've never done it before. Yeah. Like, you know, like Chaney and I don't know what to look for in like a, you know, a record contract or whatever. Yeah. So it, it does help in that respect. But I also think uh, a huge thing is, yeah, not to do it too early. I think you see a lot of bands going DIY a lot longer. And that's because then they kind of, they've already proven to themselves they don't need a label. Yeah. And that's like the best time to really do anything when you don't need it because you can just, you have the upper hand. You're like, I, I've already got a pretty good thing going. We built it ourselves. We don't need you guys. We can just keep going. And yeah. all, that's how Chaney and I felt. We, we started the band and we immediately signed to a label and it didn't go that great. No, it was, a, it was an actually bad decision. It was really bad. And then we were like, well, maybe we'll just put this one out ourselves. We talked about doing that. Yeah, we... But we continued to grow the band on our own, and it took a while to get our album together. And honestly, the only label that we really even wanted to be on was Metal Blade. So, and we knew a guy there just that we had known for a long time. He started working there. So it kind of came about a little more organically. And so that, I think that really can help give you the, the upper hand when you're not desperate. Yeah, like building your band as a DIY band is going to give you more leverage when it comes to signing to a label and whether or not a label is going to screw you over. Yeah. You don't really want to be a band with no following and sign to a label right away because the label isn't going to make your band that much bigger. They're going to get your name out there a little yeah. more for sure. But if you have your own following to bring to the table, then it really helps the label relationship work out for you a lot more. It, it helps what a label is willing to do for you. If you have a following, then a label will be like, okay, we need to invest a little more money into this band because they already have a following and we're already pretty confident that whatever they put out is going to do well. There are so many DIY people who are thriving and living as musicians because they make all of the money that is generated through their project. A label is not taking a percentage of that. Or if you, you know, if you have a manager, a manager takes, what, 10? I can't remember, 10 or 15%. A booking agent takes a percentage. So all of these people, like if you're going to let someone else mess with your money, then that person better be doing a job. And that means when it comes to a label, if they're going to be taking a part of your money, then you have to really feel like they are earning that money. Otherwise, it's going to end up really bad. Like, you're yeah. not going to be happy in that position ever. So really, I think it's important to build yourself up as a DIY band and go as far as you can go and self be yeah. a self-advocate, be your own manager until you really genuinely feel that other people need to step in because the workload is too big. And then also that e equips you to be, well, have more knowledge when you do start working with those people to Absolutely. see through the BS and everything. But uh, that's actually our time. It's uh, 2.45. You wanna do one All more right, question? Okay, okay. I didn't wanna stay hope up that, here. Hope forever. that helps, we can talk more after. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. 
Okay, so obviously right away t-shirts, like you need t-shirts. Um, hoodies will sell. It depends on the time of year. Yeah, depending on the time of year, right now is a great time to print hoodies. Hoodies will sell. I would go with those two right away if you're just starting out a merch booth. Also, vinyl it really sells. It's hard yeah. to get vinyl pressed, though. It's it is really hard. hard. And it's also a lot of upfront money commitment. Mm -hmm. But uh, people will buy vinyl even if they don't even have never even heard your band before. Absolutely. As so, far, but that might be a little bit later down the road. That you right. As far as displaying goes, um, you know, the standard is you have a table, you get, you can get these racks, I think they're shelves from Home Depot, and so many bands go out with those, you need just two of those, you can take that on the road lights. with you. Lights, need to have you lights. You have to have lights. They're not gonna have lights for you at the venue. They aren't, and take your own table, because some venues yeah. do not have tables. Um, what was the rest of it? Like items, so I I always think it's good to have kind of items that can span a lot of different price range. Absolutely. So because some people only have two bucks, or they might have twenty, or maybe they really like your band and they want to have more higher price things. We so we like try to have like pins and stickers and stuff that are cheaper, because uh, you will find a lot when people come up, they'll be like, "Oh, I've only got like five bucks," and it's like, "Okay, here, buy these two." stickers or whatever yeah you want then, to yeah, be able like to give the person with the least amount of money something to buy yeah we always have like a dollar item yep. just so you know not everyone has enough money to buy a t-shirt exactly so, so yeah, i'd say have a shirt have stickers or like we literally just buy them off of stickermule.com so yeah I mean, source your stuff promo code Anthe i'm just kidding yeah promo code <laughs> so source your stuff that's a big thing don't try to get all of your stuff through one merch company. It's yeah. very easy to go to one merch company and have them source everything for you, but they're just acting as a third party at that point and they're making money off of you. For instance, with stickers, I go to Sticker Mule. I just get our stickers printed myself. If you're doing like tab books, go and get that made yourself. Otherwise, someone is gonna yeah. take 50% from you. I actually uh, bought a freaking pin press thing off of Amazon for like 120 bucks. Yeah. And it's really solid and I can make like, I think I can make like 50 pins in 20 minutes. Yeah, we also bought an embroidery machine so we can make our own hats. That was, a little hard. That was kind of a- We're always trying to like think out of yeah. the box as far as that goes. Our next thing is that we want a t-shirt press so that we can do our own limited edition drops without really having a third party. Um, and then as far as pricing. So when it comes to tours, we actually usually have to base what we sell stuff up um, as off of what the headlining band is selling stuff for. So it's called price matching. And so say we're out with a band who's charging $50 for a t-shirt, we are obligated to charge that much. But when it comes to selling stuff at home, I always kind of look at the items and just, you know, what are they worth? What will people pay for this? For instance, some of our t-shirts that don't sell as well, I put them for 15 bucks on the internet and then they start selling more. For limited edition bleach dye stuff, these were $40 a piece, and it's because we worked really hard on them, and people will pay more of a high premium to, to buy that stuff. So it all really comes down to all of that, and you have to take into consideration exactly how much you're paying for the item. Um, not every item is gonna come with the same amount of return. Vinyls will make you money because you pay like maybe $11 a piece for a vinyl and you can charge $30 to $40 for that. Or a t-shirt generally is between five and seven and you can charge, you know, 20 to 30 and sometimes 40 for that. So it all really comes down to the, the individual item and what you really feel that people will pay for it. And people still buy CDs, believe it or not. They do, take so, CDs, yeah. I meant to say that, yeah. Yeah, we, like I did, with another project that I had, I went on a tour and I was like, nobody buys CDs. I'm not going to bring the, and everybody was asking for CDs. Yeah. So, and those you can get for, if you're printing them yourself, you can get them for like a dollar each. Like uh, we, less we print than our that. first EP is not on a label and we print that and it's like, uh, and you sell them for 10. So that's. Yeah, I think it's like, I think we pay maybe like 70 cents a piece yeah, for so that's CDs. That's a huge good item. And then you can obviously, if someone doesn't have enough money, hey, just take a CD for five bucks or whatever. Yeah. And I also think with merch, it's cool to think of like items that not everyone else has. Just study. I'm online. Naveen and I will look at 
the popular merch yeah. sites like every day. I'll just go on any merch is, and just look through all the designs yeah. and just see what's like cool right now. And totally. You know. And so we actually have two merch stores. We have an actual merch distribution uh, site that's Night Shift Merch, and that's a guy who used to work at Indie Merch and split off from that and started his own company. And then we have our uh, big cartel, and that's where I ship everything from. So I think having those two things really helps because I ship everything from our big cartel, but when we're on tour, I can't ship everything. And I really have found that me shipping stuff and, you know, if people write memos to us in our merch store, I write notes back to them. And it's like, it, it builds this little thing that's cool. It's a cool added extra thing to do with your fans. And it just kind of helps build that community even more. Personalized. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, I, uh, thank you, Lizzie, for having us. Give it up for Lizzie. Give it up for Beatdown King, Total Death Court. Thank you, everyone who's, yeah, who's helping out with the event. It's really, really cool. Like I said before, um, it's so cool that they're planning on doing this every year because this is actually a big deal. And, I, and I'm really like so amazed by how many people came Me too. so like seriously thank you guys yeah thank and you guys for sitting for coming. there and listening to us yap away like yeah it's it's really cool it it's heartwarming actually it is yeah. dude the metal community is amazing i personally naveen and i met through this i met the love of my life through all of my best friends in the world i've met through metal i'm the love of the life through metal so yeah I, <laughs> yeah that's him not harrison i know it was a little misleading but uh but you know i've met everyone outside of my family who means a lot to me through this community um so it's it's really cool to be here with all of you we just moved to nashville earlier this year so we really feel a part of the, the Tennessee community, and we're really, really proud to, to be here speaking with you guys. So yeah. thank you so very, thank you very guys. much. Seriously, we'll check you guys out. For everybody online, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.